What if I told you that you could help solve the hospitality recruitment crisis with just £10? You'd say, shut up, take my money, wouldn't you? Well, that's exactly what a new initiative called Hospitality Rising is going to do. Between now and May the 12th, we are raising £5 million to fund the biggest hospitality recruitment advertising campaign that the UK and beyond has ever seen. We want to double the amount of people who would consider working in hospitality. Think army, be the best, but for hospitality. All we need from you is £10 per employee that you have in your business and together we can stop this recruitment crisis forever. Go to hospitalityrising.org now to find out how you can help today and don't forget to tell your HR team and your CEO. Supersonic! 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 Supersonic. Supersonic. From Supersonic Inc., this is the Mark McSee Supersonic Marketing Podcast. The rocket fuel podcast for food, drink and hospitality businesses everywhere. Listen up, tell all your friends and share with your colleagues. Every single episode is packed full of tips, tricks and advice on how you can make your brand boom. Hi, are you still using a trunk system to manage your tips? Well, if you are, you're working way, way, way too hard. Tipjar is HMRC cleared and uses tech to enable your customers to tip your staff directly. Find out more at wearetipjar.com. Join the tipping revolution. A creative agency for the hospitality sector, Saved by Robots create compelling brands and memorable experiences through great design and engaging storytelling. From Scottish Restaurant of the Year Sugar Boat to Tip Jar, the digital tipping platform that's taken over the world, Saved by Robots excel at bringing ideas to life. As well as developing new concepts and refreshing existing brands, the robots provide outsourced graphic design to help multi-site operators grow with confidence. Check out their work and get in touch at savedbyrobots.com. So it's the end of a Monday and the last day of February and it's been a long day for yours truly because I was a bit silly last night and had too much of a celebration. So it's been a long, long Monday. But I had a reward at the end of the Monday and that day, which was a podcast with the uber-talented Jules Pearson, who's the VP of F&B at Ennismore. It's an absolutely brilliant chat and romp through Jules's career, a bit of personal stuff as well about energy and where she gets her inspiration from and what drives her, and also what it takes to rejuvenate one of the most iconic hotels in the world, plus what it takes to stay ahead of the curve across concepts, food, drink, design, tech, social marketing, brand and everything else. It was an absolutely brilliant chat. I learned so much and also I think you will too. So here's Jules. Hopefully there's not too many sound issues. I think I made a couple of boo-boos through the tech and the desk, but hopefully it stands up and sounds okay. So it gives me the most F&B concept conjuring pleasure ever to introduce my next guest who I had the joy of seeing on stage the other week at the RMI. And it is the incredible Jules Pearson. Hello. 
Hi, Mark. How are you? I'm all right. I'm all right. Yeah. All right. For a Monday, I was a bit naughty last night and had a couple of too many drinks on a Sunday. So um, I'm, I'm glad I've lasted the day. <laughs> nice. Good. Hopefully you're getting a cab fixed in today. <laughs> That's, <laughs> so, yeah, I'm, I'm sitting with my hangover juice, which is H2O, and a, and a wee kombucha to get me going. So, yeah. Oh. There we go. There we go. So, yeah. So, where in the world are you right now? Because you're always around the world. I'm actually in London right now, back in Stoke Newington, where my flat is. Um, quite nice to be on UK soil. Um, yeah. And, yeah, we'll be here for at least three weeks, which is very nice, if I head off to Barcelona to open the Hoxton Barcelona. And how do you find that, like, just travelling all the time and, and doing all that stuff for you? you love it do you thrive on it or sometimes is, is it getting a bit old that kind of thing i mean i absolutely love it and especially with covid not being able to travel like it's itching i mean i was really lucky we got to travel quite a bit in covid for work and pleasure obviously in line with the rules but yeah i mean i i, I love it i love going to new places I, I put myself up for all the trips um but you know it's 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 exciting i guess the only well one of the only bad points is it's not great for the diet i mean you want to see, eat, drink, consume everything when you're at, in these places. So, a very much a excessive, excessive lifestyle. Yeah. Um, but apart from that, I love it. Yeah. Well, oh, I mean, you're you're looking well on it. I mean, I I've definitely ballooned since uh, since joining Food and Drink, you know, um, and uh, and 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 being a Scotsman as well, you know, you're not having as many veg as you should be, you know. It's uh, it's definitely the the bad things that you're having. Um, but no, that's amazing. I mean, I guess for you know anyone listening, you've sort of got the dream job, and and I'm really curious to how you got it. I mean, you've got quite the stellar CV on the way to it. But moving from PR and comms into, well, I guess you're kind of straddling the dark side of ops <laughs> and the and the and the light side of marketing, depending on where you sit. Um, so you know, how, tell me how that all happened. You know, some from when you were, you know, education and, and going through. You know, because I think it will be quite inspiring for a lot of people. You know. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to be honest. Like it was. I mean, it was just a lot of hard work. Like I did, uh, I did marketing management at university. That's what I did. I forgot what I even studied. Um, and then I saved up a lot of money working in a bar, working as a recruitment consultant. And then I went backpacking for 12 months um, around the world, started in Africa, India, Thailand, Japan, Australia, New Zealand, all around South America. Um, so that was an incredible experience. And then came back um and wanted to move to London, just always thought I'd move to London. Um, so I moved down and fell into travel PR, I was temping for a while and then just fell into travel PR. I loved traveling, but was never, I was just applying for jobs. Um, and then, yeah, started in luxury travel PR and, and absolutely loved it and fell in love with hotels. And I just put myself out there, you know, I always, I'm quite a restless person um not to get too deep but my mother died when I was really young my friend Felix White just wrote an incredible book called it's always summer somewhere and his mum died when she was young and he said you have this need to just constantly keep busy because once you stop your brain does over time and you you start thinking about very sad things so I think you know I've always had this 
since my mum died, just desire or need to keep busy, 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 busy. So I was doing travel PR and then I was writing for like the Londonist and um, Evening Standard. And then I wrote to, um, there was a website at the time called Hotel Chatter, which I call the heat magazine of the hotel industry. It was all gossip, gossip, gossip. Um, it was actually really cool. It was owned by Condé Nast Traveller. It's a shame it didn't, it, 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 it folded, but it was really, really fun website. Um, so I just wrote to them and said, do you need a London correspondent? She was like, sure, pitch me some stories. Um, so I started pitching and writing for them and just trying to get my fingers in lots of different pies. Um, and then I launched London on the inside. Um, that's now 12 years old. So co-founded that with um, with my ex-boyfriend at the time. That's another story. Um, but yeah, then just fell in love with food and drink hard. Um, would like, you know, just like eat, drink it, breathe it 24-7. Um, and I like, worked my way up in the comms, in the comms sector, I guess. Um, got poached by Ace Hotel when it was coming to London. And then I worked on the Hoxton as a client and Shuan, who's our CEO, and his more bought Hoxton. And were, Ace and him were saying, come work for me, come work for me. So I decided that Hoxton was um, more a brand I aligned with. It's a British brand. I loved the team. Uh, that was super important to me to work with like-minded people. So jumped into the Hoxton, um, built my way up as comms director. But right when Shuan bought the Hoxton, Ennismore was, uh, I think, I've, well, I'm the longest serving employee there now. So I was employee number three or something. Um, and went um, in-house and built the Hoxton brand from one to many. Uh, worked with him when we bought Glen Eagles and spent the last kind of five years injecting some love in that and repositioning it, bringing it back to life, the Sleeping Giant. Um, and did all of our independent restaurants, so Egg Break, Tandor. And I think just from eating out and loving food and drink, I would always put myself forward for like all of the projects in Ennismore. And it was very much a startup mentality. It was like hustle hard and, and you can do what you want as in like, you know, show me what you can do and, and we'll do it. Um, so I did all of the F&B stuff even back then when I was comms director, all of the kind of branding and stuff, the candle truck house and menu development and all that kind of stuff. And then as uh, and it's more got bigger, um, started getting quite a little bit more. The workload was becoming more and more. I was writing, you know, keynotes and interviews for Shuan and all of the comm stuff. And I was like, I don't want to be bucketed behind a desk. I need to be out and about. Uh, he was like, what do you want to do? And I was like, I want to do this. And he was like, okay, write me a job description. And then, yeah, rest is history, really. Trusted me to kind of develop all of the Hoxton F&B. And, yeah, still oversee kind of the Ennismore Hoxton restaurants, uh, PR, marketing and social. But now I um do all of the insights reports for all of the brands in the new NSMO portfolio so now there's 14 brands um 160 hotels in the pipeline some of them have nine restaurants and bars so fun job um and I go to see the site site immersion meet lots of people and then I will do all the F&B programming across the spaces and that will either be creating a bespoke concept bringing in a partner, restaurant partner, chef, mixologist, or I will look in our portfolio brands and see which ones could be suitable for that specific location. So whether it's another Seabird or a Felia, Kana, all of those new brands that are in our portfolio now. 
it's a long way of telling you how I got here, Mark. No, it's it's exactly what we want to know. So, uh, you know, I think in terms of um, the the sort of moving, though, you know, moving down to London and and all that, because I guess we've got that shared thing that you know I sort of you know did my last exam on a Friday and then moved down for a Sunday and and you know and got a bit of a fright actually because. You know, I was from a wee town in Scotland, you know, backwater. I had never seen anything like it in my life. I'd never been charged £5 for an ice cream cone or seen sushi or whatever. So, you know, from from that perspective, growing up, you know, were you exposed to food and drink and the breadth of it? Or was this all pure discovery from when you got to London? Um, I think, it, I mean, I, I think I'd always in some ways, like, being really into food. Like, my mum used to cook back in the day. Like, I remember, like, Sunday roast was my favourite meal. And, you know, sometimes she'd leave it in the microwave if I was out and my older sister would come in and eat it before I got home. <laughs> I'd be, like, crying my eyes out about this Sunday roast. Um, and, like, yeah, I, I remember lots of her home cooking, like, rhubarb gumbo and things like that. So I think I'd always loved food. Um, I think travelling at um, quite a young age around, around all those different countries countries like going to Japan which is a huge culture shock in 2008 so I think I kind of fell in love with food and, and just that need to kind of try new things and, and, and be open-minded and explore like I've always kind of had that I don't know where it came from but yeah I always had that passion to want to try new things um definitely cemented in London with all of the different um, restaurants you know it's multicultural and it's just in my opinion I think and I lived in New York in 2018. I think London food scene is one of the best, if not the best in the world right now. Um, and you'd be surprised by all the Americans that come here and they're like, London food is shit. And then they come here, they're like, oh, London's so good. And I'm like, yeah, I told you. Um, so I think, yeah, definitely cemented in London. And then when I travel, obviously I am just eating everything which, which comes in sight. Like no, no matter what it is, I'm always up for trying something once. So yeah, I just maybe it was instilled from an early, early life with my my actual grandparents were dairy farmers back in the day. Maybe it had something to do with that. I don't know. <laughs> Getting deep now, here, Ma. <laughs> no, it's good. I mean, I I just think yeah. I mean, I I basically had a diet of beige, you know, growing up. So then once I. And you never, you know, all you went out for was like a bar meal or something, you know, like that. You know, you just go to a pub and a bar, and that was it. And the more, most exotic you got was scampi and chips, right? And it was like, oh, fancy, you know. Um, so yeah, coming to London, you know, as you say, was was just that real sort of culture shock. I think what I'm enjoying about you and, and seeing you speaking on the stage as well, you know, is that confidence and free spiritedness. You know, where you are doing what you want and you're doing what you love. You know, whereas. I think, and also it shows then that you have great management round about you that supports you and lets you be free because there's so many, you know, 99% of companies would absolutely be reining you in and you'd have to be in the office and, you know, and all that. So I think it's great that they're just letting you go with it, you know, because they'll get so much more out of you, you know, by understanding you can't be tied to a desk. Exactly, and it's the, the culture of Ennismore and the Hoxton, it's always been that, it's always been to, you know, let people be themselves. Um, so definitely great to have worked somewhere that's nurtured that. But yeah, they're, they're, they're very much celeb like celebrate individual characters, and the culture is very much to, you know, let people be themselves. 
um, it's a great, great company to work for. So you'd said how many brands in the portfolio now? Now there's 14. So there's um, 25 Hours, Mama Shelter, Foxton, obviously, Glen Eagles, um, 21 Sea Hotels, SLS, Fiena, Delano, Mondrian, uh, and a few others. Tribe Hotels, Hyde Hotels, yeah. and a few others. Operating hotels now, roughly 70 to 80, um, 160 in the pipeline, (laughs) rapid expansion plan. That's hotels too, and obviously some of them have nine restaurants and bars. So last time I counted, I think there's 355 uh, food and drink spaces. A lot of programming to do in. Where's 25 hours? Is that in Germany? No. It started in Germany, yeah, starting in Hamburg. We've now got it in Berlin, Vienna, Copenhagen just about to open, Florence recently opened. So we've got quite a few, and they've got a, a few in the pipeline as well. Um, really great brand. You probably might have heard of Nenny, the restaurant, that they're having quite a few of them. It's amazing. Uh, amazing Middle Eastern brand was founded in Vienna, and then Monkey Bar, which is the rooftop bar in 25 hours Berlin. There's queue down the block non-stop for that place. So... Yeah, they've done a really, really good job. Yeah, I, I stayed in the one in Hamburg. That's why I was going to ask you. Um, I, I I used to work for Barclay Card, and we had a German office, and that's where we stayed. And it was always super cool to stay there. It was like this is great, you know. But obviously, I didn't know at the time, you know, you know anything else about it. You know, I just knew it was a super cool place to to be. You know, um, it's always like that. So, in terms of Ennis more than so. You said something earlier on there about breathing life into Glen Eagles. What happened? You know, what happened there? You know, um, what's the story in terms of rejuvenating it? And then also, obviously, there's the new Edinburgh opening that everyone's buzzing about up in Scotland. You know, it's it's yeah. big big talk about it, you know. Good, that's good to hear. Uh, yeah, we bought Glen, Glen Eagles from Diageo. I think Diageo owned it 15 years, and it was it was very much a golf golf resort when we bought it. But we, um, you know, we it was a sleeping giant. It wasn't that it, it didn't wasn't successful. It really still was and was always busy. But you know, we we looked at it and said, you know, we need to inject some love and some life and and, and some cash into this place, and we kind of transformed it. Um, and you know, you, you go in there like there was um it's now the American bar and it had been transformed into a luggage storeroom so our whole strategy was to take Glen Eagles back to the way it was in the um, 1920s when it was like it's heydays you know it was like the glorious playground it was a place of decadence everyone traveled up there these amazing grouse races um they called it the Riviera of Scotland has its own train station so you know you can see all of these amazing pictures um of these incredible parties I think it was the first ever live band broadcast on the BBC or, or the Glen Eagles House Band or something. I forget the actual fact around that. But um, so that the whole strategy was to take it back to its heyday. So we brought back the American bar, which had been turned into a luggage storeroom, and we created this very incredible, sexy hotel bar. Um, you know, we refurbed the Vernon Brasserie, whole new look menus. Um and then yeah we worked on the Century Bar worked with David Collins Studio did some amazing interiors up there um and you know we're still we're still going like it's still improving it you know year on year um so yeah it's it's been incredible you know whole whole new social media strategy whole new brand website 
Um, and now, you know, it's, it's winning all these incredible awards like Condé Nast Reader's Choice Award. I mean, I think it's won it for the past three years or something crazy like that. But yeah, it's, it's an incredible brand and people love it so much. I got married there, actually. Oh, um, yeah, I did. <laughs> um, it, was, it was, yeah, incredible. Um, so it's that kind of special place. It's like, you know, it's an iconic hotel. So the Glen Eagles Townhouse, which is the sister um, site, the new spin-off in Edinburgh, that is um, a members club restaurant and has 30 bedrooms. So really kind of new new direction for the brand um, and definitely will be a little bit different because Glen Eagles is so much about its location. Um, this will be, you know, in the heart of Edinburgh in St Andrews Square, which is uh, the building is incredible. So I think everyone is super, super excited. No, it's it's going to be absolutely fabulous, and I think um, from you know what everyone's saying, you know, it's the neat balance though of you not doing, I guess, like an ivy or you know where you're rolling it out so fast and so, and obviously the stuff that Corbin and King are bucking against right now, that then it cheapens. Mm, yeah, I think we're all about thoughtful growth, and there's more, of course. We, you know, we we open a lot of properties, but every single one is is. You know the work that we do around them is i haven't seen anyone else doing that work and that you know that's one of the things that comes out when we are visiting all these places and meeting all these owners like they they say you know no other hotel group spends this much time and effort and invest this much time in making sure that we get it right it's never just a roll out and we'll never just uh let's just put a seabird in there hoxton there like it's so much more about looking at like the neighborhood the city the building, um, you know, speaking to as many people as possible, building up as many insights and making sure we get it right. Because, you know, that, like you say, you don't want to just do cookie cutter, roll out chains. Not like people see through that now. Yeah. And then just in terms of the Glen Eagle say things or any brief that you've got, you know, what is the remit then of your role? So there's a new hotel or there's a hotel rejuvenation on, there's five bars and three restaurants within the place, let's say. What happens? Yeah, so I've just been out in Mexico City last week and um, you've got a, a new site that's come online there that's a super fast turnaround. Um, was about to open as, as a different brand and we've asked, been asked to come in and look at it and kind of transform it to be one of our brands. Um, so we'd go to the site, visit the location, speak to lots of different people across the city like everyone from people who work in hospitality to just people that live opposite or, or know the neighborhood really well so you know build up a really rounded um view of the city not just you know not just what the chefs say or not just what the you know the the local mixologists say you know we make sure that we chat to a whole breadth of people um so that's kind of the first step second step is to kind of visiting all the places in the city around the hotel or all of the hot restaurants which is you know definitely something I really enjoy um so you know going to all of the amazing restaurants in Mexico City um and kind of understanding where the markets are and um, what's lacking in the market what the successes have been what the failures are what the other hotels are doing how the hotel dining scene is positioned right now in the market um so just gathering a real understanding of all those elements and then the next step would be either me suggesting a concept like seabird that I keep referencing seabird but 
seabird that could go in the rooftop or me saying an Italian restaurant band is lacking in this market and we don't have one that's quite suitable so then I'll go away and brief my team and we come up with a concept the story positioning um like a, a restaurant concept deck that will then pitch to go into that space I then work with on my team I am the creative but I work with an operations specialist, a culinary specialist and a beverage specialist. Um, then we have an interior designer, graphic designer. So actually within Ennismore, we've now got like kind of a separate F&B uh, restaurant studio, if you like. Um, so we separate ourselves out because I think that's one of the, again, one of the big differentiators in Ennismore is that we, we, of course, we're in the hotel business, but we keep our restaurant separate from the hotel because hotel business and restaurant business is two very very different th- different things and you know the strategy needs to be very different around the restaurants than it is for the hotels um so and then then I'll work with those guys in my team to kind of you know come up with the come up with the P&L and you know the floor plans the back of house plans the equipment list um os so all of the stuff that comes into opening a restaurant um I just get to do the uh, fluffy bit if you like <laughs> well, so are you more at the the front end, and then it goes into kind of ops, and you don't, you know, you're not kind of as responsible for it longer term, or are you kind of across them all anyway? I kind of, uh, like, I I come out of it at the construction stage. I'll brief the interior designers. I'll brief the graphic designers if we need an identity, um, and then we work with them to get it right. But I'll come out of like the nitty gritty, you know, like the um, coffee machine ordering or like the back of house um you know the the constant back and forth with the kitchen designers and all that I step away from that it's not my speciality um but then I kind of come back in um six six months before opening depending on which hotel it is and how soon we're employing people um and I will develop the menu with the chef um I will you know make sure all the collateral like where's the magic dust you know of course it's a four corners restaurant but this has a bodega and what are we doing in the bodega like are we creating our own products like what's the USP here what's the PR sorry so I come in and kind of work six months out to make sure that you know the PR the marketing the social media all of the magic dust is is, is there and then um I kind of give an advisory role when they're open. Um, of course, it's a little bit different and, and his more just changed and, and we've acquired all of these new brands. But pre all of these new brands, I was a lot more involved and still still haven't managed to uh, remove myself completely from all of the Hoxton, um, <laughs> Ho- Hoxton F&B. You know, they're your babies. Yeah. You know, they're, yeah. they're, <laughs> it's very hard to remove yourself from something. Definitely. And then you, you've said social media a couple of times then, um, and your social media is admired, very admired. Um, and many, many meetings that I've been in, if I heard Seabird one more time, I was going to jump off a you know cliff. But I think from <laughs> it's just from such <laughs> no. a good job that you've been doing. So what does that look like in terms of, you know, because a lot of people throw around social media strategy or, you know, but what what's the process there so you've got have you got an agency and then they come up with a strategy for it how does that work no no i'm hammering seabird um <laughs> yeah no we don't tend to use agencies everything we do is in-house mm-hmm. unless it's opening it in a market that we don't know 
um, like Barcelona or Rome, um, and we don't speak the local language. Um, but Seabird, I mean, I think it's, yeah, I mean, it's just about, it's in some ways social media isn't that hard if you get, if you've got your brand right and the interiors and the food and the drink, then social media just helps elevate that. Mm. Um, so, you know, we don't massively overthink it. Um, of course, we, it depends what it is. Like for Seabird, it kind of sells itself a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and the interiors, like it's so Instagrammable. For the sure. interiors are beautiful. The, you know, the service wear. And this, this goes into the point where I say, you know, the, the magic dust that we do six months before opening, mm. that's making sure there's like, what's your hero dish? What's your signature cocktail? What's the one Instagram moment that everyone's going to picture? So that comes in as a pre-opening strategy. Yeah. Um, but with Seabird, yeah, there's, there's, there's not a, a, a big strategy around the social media mm-hmm. internally. Um, it's really just, you know, sharing the pictures, community engagement, um, and just making sure that, you know, the, the menu is interesting, relevant, and, and constantly updated and evolving. I think that's the thing with all of our restaurants. We're trying to kind of keep them relevant by evolving them um, to make sure, you know, we, we don't get left behind. But I think it's it's different. Like, you know, with, we have Albi on the ground floor, which isn't as sexy as Seabird. It's mm-hmm. all kind of neighbourhood, lobby, all the um, space. And, you know, the strategy there is to, you know, do pop-ups. Um, you know, we do specials on the menu. We sometimes get people to come in and, and do like a residency kitchen for a month. And I guess it's just, it all depends on the brand and, and how strong it is, I guess, and, and yeah. what the offering is, how much you need to hustle. Well, do you know, so many people are just going to be absolutely pig, pig sick about what you've just said because they're like, like, you're just like so like, nonchalant like yeah you know <laughs> <laughs> well we, we just got a trip over and uh, you know it's all great you know and it's like ah damn it you know stop being so good no. naturally <laughs> no, 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 I, no it was you know seabird was a lot of work pre-opening to get it right yeah and it's, I, I almost think you know you if you include instagram in everything you do before like it's not just a marketing tool if you think mm. about it from the minute you develop your restaurant concept to way past its opening, then then you've kind of got your, you know, you've got a foot, a foot up if you like. Like mm-hmm. we, you know, we're doing four corners in um, Hoxton, Barcelona right now, which is our Detroit pizza, and I developed a Detroit pizza brand because I, there was none in Europe. I lived in America in 2018. I couldn't believe we didn't have Detroit pizza here. Yeah. So it's been in the pipeline for a while. So we know that by launching that, we'll get big press coverage because Detroit pizza doesn't exist in Barcelona. So mm. that's, you know, that's one tick right there. And then, you know, it's looking at the pizza boxes and where's like the funny phrases you can put on them and, you know, what's the extra layers you can do. Like it's, it, if you get all of them right, then, you know, the, the social media will not save a restaurant and social media will not make a restaurant. Social media is the best free marketing tool out there but you need to have everything else in order. You can't just do a restaurant for social media. It just it won't have any longevity, right? This is what I love because you've you've said this a few times now in terms of brand is everything. You know, when you're saying about you starting at, you know, Glen Eagles, you went back to history and looked at what the brand stood for and then you've got this lovely golden thread through 
to today. And that that's the, you know, the best advice I've ever had, you know, in terms of looking at branding and also like you can't put lipstick on a pig, you know, like if yeah. your food is shit and your place is shit <laughs> and, you know, the amount of shouting at the marketing team to do more on TikTok or whatever, it's not, you know, customers are going to see through it. Um, but yeah. what what about TikTok and stuff? Have you started straying into that a bit more? Or are you Instagram loyal? What's happening there? Um, I mean, I haven't used... I, I haven't used it. That's fucking <laughs> lie. <laughs> I, uh, I downloaded it in lockdown and got a bit sick in actually for a day or two and then yeah. deleted it straight, straight away because uh, my... my my nephews taught me a couple of TikTok dances, but uh-huh. I don't think I'm—I don't think I'm up to scratch. Um, <laughs> but no, I just—I haven't. Um, I think it's a slightly younger audience, maybe than we go for. Um, that's not to say we won't ever do it. And now we've got all these new brands, we might look at it for different markets. Mm-hmm. We do very much, you know, look at the market and what's relevant there too for our audience. So it's strange. I've just been in Mazatlan in Mexico, which is. Um, in the sort of lower dish, sort of lower area, and Facebook is so big there. They all right. use Facebook, and so it's just yeah. TikTok hasn't come up as anything that's been super relevant to our audience. That said, not averse to using it if we felt like oh, this is an amazing TikTok campaign, mm. or we should be on it. Seabird is on TikTok by other people, and uh-huh. yes, people send me them with like hundreds and thousands of views and this and that. So I think it gets a lot of business from there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, if, if it's right for your restaurant, then 100% use it. But right mm-hmm. now we haven't gone down that road. Same with London on the inside. We kind of downloaded it and we played around with it a little bit. And then we decided that actually we've got our core core channels and the website and we're diversifying going into print, actually. Which oh, is, uh, Going, going back on, old going school. old school. Yeah, yeah. like it. <laughs> um, yeah, and um, launching a, a couple of other things. So it's not. I, I'm not saying to people they shouldn't diversify. God, you mm. need to. Um, you need to diversify. I was reading a, a thing on. I'm, I'm, um, I'm digressing now, but I was reading a, a thread on Twitter the other day about a guy that had done created a business on Facebook, and he's only done it on Facebook. I saw that. And yeah, yeah. yeah. <gasps> Yeah. Oh, and he had like a two hundred million pound offer on the table to buy, it, and then Facebook changed the algorithm yeah. and then just killed his business. That's what I'm yeah. saying the TikTok thing to you, and in my head, I'm like, oh my god, I could be that guy. <laughs> well, I, I think you know, I, I'm a big fan of Gary Vaynerchuk, and you know, some people are, and some people aren't, but he talks about uh, that a lot, and he says, look everyone's great until they get punched in the face. You know, everyone's got a plan until you get punched in the face. And it's like the only way to, you know, sort of avoid that is go to the next thing and the next thing and the next thing, you know, and get involved. And even if it is just a seedling thing, at least you can jump across. Whereas at the moment, yeah, if you're predominantly Facebook or whatever it is, then one day, you know, maybe it gets bought over, maybe it gets blocked, maybe it becomes illegal, maybe it just goes off the face of the earth, whatever. Um, there's a scandal. Um, that's you, you're screwed, aren't you? You know? Exactly. So, no, it's it's a tough one. And then, obviously, we need to talk about London and the inside as well, and you know, I'd love to know about that. Just before we do that, though, I was just thinking about some questions in terms of co- copying, taking inspiration from things. Hmm. 
question, you know, in terms of the, 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 the dangerousness of Because, like, we're all at it, by the way. I'm not saying that, you know, I'm absolutely on that train. So there's yeah. that. Um, you being copied um, mm. as well, you know, how, how, how does that all work? And then I'm really, we talked about babies earlier on, but I'm, uh, I'm really excited to know, the if you can say, the ones that got away, the ones that you pitched didn't happen. You're like, God damn it, that was a good idea. Um, would would be interesting to to know, but just going back then. So you're t- in, in it, you know. I've worked with companies before where you know they heavily do take inspiration from other places, and you know, how does that work? How do you square it that it's not a direct sort of rip off or anything like that? You know, how do you manage that side of things? I mean, I guess you just need to make sure that you differentiate enough. Um, I mean, there's always going to, like, you know, that's how the world evolves and, and we have, you know, exciting food scenes and whatnot. Mm. It's always going to be, you know, people seeing ideas in, in, in other places that, you know, might inspire them to do something. Um, but I guess it's, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not in the business. <laughs> Hopefully, I don't think you're referencing any, any projects. No, 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 God, no. Far from it. Far from it. <laughs> like, shit, what have I done that? <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> no, we're not in the process of, of ripping anyone off. And of course, like you know, if I if, if there's an I, I try something, I'm like, oh my god, this is amazing. We kill it in London. Then you know, we'll try a million things. I'll do lots of research and whatnot, and then you know, we'll come up with our own spin on it. Yeah. Um, which I think is super important. But yeah, I, I don't. I would never just completely rip off another brand. I think you know, especially in the days of the internet and social no. media, it just you know, it's just not worth it. No, but. Then what about the other side of things then? Because you are much admired and you inspire lots of others, I'm sure. <laughs> um, so how do you handle that? How do you, you know, is it an IP lawyery job? Is it you see it? You you know, how, how, how does that all sit with you? What happens there? See it, say it, sort it. Is it <laughs> one of those? No, no, not at all. I, I mean, they say imitation is the biggest form of flattery, right? Mm. I, the Hoxton has always, you know, there's been many people that reference the Hoxton as, as a big f- source of inspiration, and you know, there's many people that have come after us, and and you know, I, there's room for everyone. The mm. one thing I'd say that I really don't, didn't like historically and probably wouldn't like going forward is I was the cop when I was comms director, I was the copywriter of Hoxton, right? So I wrote all the copy. And, you know, some hotels just lifted the copy oh, from the wow. website. Like, Hang on a minute. That's my hard work <laughs> copy that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so maybe just, you know, a friendly email, a little little bit of um, a little bit of flagging is, is nice just to say, hey, like maybe, you know, you need to rethink this or, or change this a little bit. Um, would always go down that route first rather than, you know, bringing in the big dogs or the lawyer. Yep. Um, most people will change it, you know. Some of them genuinely, you know, it might just be a complete coincidence. Mm. Um, you know, it just, just hasn't popped up. It's Yeah, yeah. we had a um, an instance lately and it was just the name of a restaurant and there was already one that existed Um and it was kind of crazy because the people that had it were the people that we were trying to partner with, and they just they forgot to met. Yeah, they forgot to mention it to us, and we were like, "What?" So I literally called my um, creative director in London. I'm like, "Shit, we need to change the name." Yeah. ASAP. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I thought, yeah. That seems odd, rest- doesn't it? <laughs> the restaurant partners just breezed it off. They'd opened it kind of discreetly in uh-huh. COVID and it's not really anywhere online, doesn't have Google List, no one in it. It was all like yeah, it was all a bit 
crazy and it's just a massive coincidence um but i think you know it, it, sometimes it will happen like that yeah. if it's completely a rip-off then you know you need to flag it like there needs to be some someone just you know and and usually like i say nine times out of ten the people will just change it if, it's, yeah. if they've lifted lifted it up yeah we had, we had an occasion just there i had one with a client um i've got a client called the salt room uh down here in, mm. in brighton and um Yes, uh, Young's Pubs opened a pub called The Salt Room, uh, or they renamed mm-hmm. one of their pubs uh, called The Salt Room. And it, yeah, we had to bring in, you know, the, uh, coolly enough, it was actually one of my childhood friends that, um, you know, helped out on the case sort of thing. But he was like, yeah, they're banged to right. So no, they're fair enough to them. You know, within six weeks, they've changed it. But yeah, um, and I'd, you know, but you are kind of thinking, surely if there was a design, design agency involved or whatever it was, You'd just do a quick look online, wouldn't you? Wouldn't you? Well, you, you would, but sometimes, like, you know... Madness. I, I, honestly, I honestly think sometimes they just don't, like... And, you know, a lot of these design agencies, graphic designers, they're not foodies. They're, you know, they're, they're graphic designers. Yeah. So sometimes it's just a bit of oversight, you know. Sometimes you're like, fuck, I can't, like, you know, I can't believe you didn't see that before. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? But I, I, <laughs> like, and then... Uh, yeah, your graphic designer's like, oh my God. And I'm like, fine. <laughs> it's like, you know, sometimes, and it's genuinely not like, you know, there's no malice there. We all, as a company, always try to um, to be innovative and come up with our own ideas, yeah. you know, but we, there's enough ideas to go around. Yeah. And then what about the brands that got away? Was there any, you know, because even if you don't get any too much detail, but what was super cool there you were saying about, you know, Detroit Pizza in Barcelona and, these kind of thoughts or you know is there something in the, from the past that you were like that was a great idea and it never happened yeah. and it's kind of out of date now <laughs> i mean I, yeah there, there was actually one that um i wanted to do like a, a dim sum restaurant and the idea was it was like um like a super fast casual grab and go dim sum restaurant because actually there was you know you can get really cheap dim sum in that chinatown mm. i can get really expensive dim sum but right then i mean this was god 2016 maybe and right then there was no kind of mid-range mm-hmm. um the dumpling shack had just started out on broadway market and i remember trying to hustle him to come on board in any <laughs> of times, he was having none of it um so the idea was yeah just to kind of do this kind of like dim sum cafe nine i did the menu development and everything nine different flavors like you know kind of like your own brand of um chocolate and then we'd do um we'd have like a fridge where you took um frozen dim sum home um yeah i am god i can't even remember the brand right now but it was um i really think that would fly i always make a joke like i'm gonna dig it out again but i never get around to it but <laughs> yeah i mean it was tough because you know dim sum makers are specialists mm. um and the site was quite a small site and to make it sing you know when you look at the labor costs it was kind of like we need to sell a hell of a lot of dim sum to make this work. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there was a, um, a soup dumpling in a Shaolong Bao and I wanted to do it with um, crab and then do you in it. And we did it. We developed it. Nice. It was so fucking good. Okay, that like, sounds shit. amazing. Someone needs to do that. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. So that's probably one. But um, no, I usually, usually at least I try to get some of them over the line. Um, would love to, yeah. There's a company called Howling Ridge in LA, and, and would love to bring them to London. I think you know a Nashville cool fried chicken shop would fly here. I mean, there's a lot in my 
dream list that I hope one day to be able to to work with somewhere. Yeah. And that's the thing as well, you know, if someone's got a really strong concept, um, or really strong identity direction, we will always go to them too and ask them to partner rather than just ripping them off. Yeah. We we know they're the experts, so you know I would go to them and say, Hey, I would love to bring you to London, X, Y, and Z. Um so I think it's all about collaboration too. Yeah. Um, if you if you're not coming up with the ideas, yeah. And then what about um, innovation and inspiration and all that? You know, I know you're doing your traveling and your tasting and all that stuff around the world, but where where do you look to for inspiration to keep you sort of creatively sharp? And you know, is it outside of food and drink, for example? Is it movies? Or is it tech? Or is it any of these things? You know, where where are you drawing all your inspiration from to you know keep you at the at the front edge? Because it's a variety of things, really. Um, yeah, like you say travels, restaurants, but also like magazines. I'm pretty old school. Like I still read magazines yeah, yeah. and uh, Sunday papers, and uh, you know newspapers. I'm a big fan of um, TV shows, and also just like one of the big things I think is just like maybe this sounds a bit like stupid to say, but just don't, not taking yourself too seriously. Mm-hmm. When you're trying to be creative, like be silly, and that's like when you're being yeah, silly yeah, and yeah. having a bit of a laugh, like come up with crazy ideas, and like you know, who knows, one of them might stick, mm-hmm. or like even if it doesn't work your way down. Um, so I always kind of encourage, you know, encourage everyone, and it's not even that, like you know, think big, such a you know corporate way of yeah, saying yeah, yeah. like. But it's not even that. It's just like let's have a giggle. Like let's, you know, have it. Maybe we can have a little cocktail after work and have a giggle. Come up with something really silly. Like I thrive off like silly ideas. Yeah, I think just finding inspiration in everything you do. I mean, yeah, we often visit art galleries and you know even just yeah, like silly exhibitions or you know there's a, an amazing restaurant museum in um, in Williamsburg that I went to and I live there and like all these old like Chinese American menus just you know maybe finding inspiration in some of the places you wouldn't even think to look I guess yeah no definitely well just talking about New York thank you so much for your help on the the wee list of places to go <laughs> that I'm stressing out about taking 20 people around, <laughs> around New York yeah I'm going to be with my umbrella going come on kids um, uh, uh, so yeah that's going to be fun <laughs> for sure um, so yeah and then so tell me about London and the inside as well then. so you know is that your two main strings to your bow then London and the inside and obviously the Ennismore stuff is, is that the main two and also how do you fit it all in uh, I don't sleep. <laughs> right, okay. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, I do. I sleep a lot. I like to try and get 12 hours a day. <laughs> oh, nice. Um, <laughs> no, only on a weekend. Um, I, I mean, I'm not going to lie. See, I, I've worked, like, and it's not the right uh, advice to give to, to young kids these days because it's the different world we live in now. But, yeah, I mean, I've worked, like, you know, I building up London on the inside was, you know, every single weekend working, every single evening working. Of course, I go out for nice dinners and whatnot, but I come back and we'll then spend a couple of hours on on the laptop working. So I think it's just been, I'm going to be honest, it's been a fuckload of hard work, yeah. really putting, like, the hours in. Um, but, you know, I think this day and age needs to be more about a work-life balance, you know. The, the young kids today, they're, you know, and it's right for them, you know. They, they don't want to live to work, they need to don't want to work to live. They need to live to work. I think it's the right way around. I can never um, remember, you know. I can never remember <laughs> which way it is. I just know that I work to work 
to work to live <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah um so yeah it's been it's been a lot of work um but you know it's paying off now we've got a um, team of six people on London on the inside um diversified now to kind of looking after social media for restaurants and bars as well oh cool um I cut yeah, my co-founder runs it full-time, so he does a really good job, um, an amazing team um, there, and yeah, that's, yeah, my main two strings to my ball was say was Slant on the inside and then is one, I think that's, I think that's enough. It's to be plenty, it's uh, more, more than enough for most people, I would have thought, you know. Um, so then, uh, you know, just in terms of, you know, some of the issues that we've got in, in hospitality at the moment, so obviously the people crisis is going on um, and that's a big issue, you know, 400,000 people short in, in hospitality. So what are you seeing from an, an Ennismore point of view? Are you having problems or not really because the brands are so strong? No, I think we're, we're definitely finding it tough like everyone. Um, I think, yeah, we're, we're struggling to find head chefs. In fact, if anyone's listening has any head chef candidates for Seabird, that would be really great. <laughs> yeah, sure. Absolutely. Get, get a plan. And uh, I'll put some uh, contact details in the notes if people do want to get in touch, for sure. Yeah, I do. Um, so, yeah, we're like everyone was struggling. Um, I mean, I, I think, yeah, it'd probably get a bit worse before it gets better, mm. I would have thought. Um, but, you know, we're trying to do everything we can to kind of attract people, Um you know, think outside the box when it comes to where we're advertising or wh- the people we're approaching. Mm-hmm. You know, lots of hustling, trying to be a better employer, um, you know, trying to really build Ennismore's, um brand out there too. Um, but it's tough. I mean, you know, even the best, you, you probably saw the Bob Bob Ricard story, right? With the I didn't. Chef. I didn't know what was that. Oh. They were advertising for a head chef and the salary was something like 91000 pounds a year something right. like that and anyway like three months later they still haven't filled it so uh yeah it's a tough it's a tough market for everyone i think no matter how good or how sexy your brands are and i just i'm not yeah we're doing a little bit of work with into hospitality which were helping hard to reach communities get into the hospitality industry mm. uh, government fun- funded scheme um but i think as uh, as many of them as they can kind of create or you know as many much help as people can give then that will help the industry but i think yeah i don't I just i don't see don't think there's a magic answer out there right now yeah well i don't know if you've seen we've uh, we've started something called hospitality rising and uh i did I yeah did. we're raising five million quid to do an army be the best but for hospitality so um it's going all right so we'll get three uh, 425 grand so far Se- nice. 73 days to go um mm. we've got pretz in tom carriages in hawksmills in um hilton welcome break yeah so it's 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 going you know um yeah but we were thinking if we could do something longer term you know to mm. say hospitality is great because uh, one of the things we found was only one in five people want to work in hospitality which mm. is not great um, and then 42% of people want to leave. And that's the biggest leave number that any industry has. And we've really? got a finite amount of people that 
um, you know, that, that want to work in it, you know. So you're just going, geez. And then, sorry, uh, the, the, the pigs came in as well, and, uh, and Angela Hartnett and all that. But it's just like, we've got to do something different, right? You know? Um, mm. So we've got uh, Google's lead creative agencies doing the ads for it. Um, and we've got the guys that did the, the meerkats and all that. And then we've also got the Army's lead recruitment strategist. Is uh, doing the doing the strategy for us, so um, yeah, so it's it's hopefully it happens. But I'll I'll be in New York when the fundraising ends. So either way, if we make the money, great. If we don't, great. I'm getting pissed either way. So, <laughs> uh, <laughs> so um, but no, that that you know that would be ideal. I mean, I was just going to ask you know what are the main things that that you were doing on that? You know, we for a, my wee client up in Scotland, um, we've just had great success doing recruitment marketing on TikTok. Mm. So mm. we got uh, almost a thousand applications um, for a wee West Coast and East Coast uh, Scottish uh, group. And mm. um, everyone that's been employed is still there, you know, months mm. later. And then also, what was the other thing that happened? Oh, there's a waiting list for some of the venues. Would you believe? Wow. So not that's bad. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, TikTok works. So um that's it. So yeah, so no, it was it was it was it's been really good. And then what have you found in the last two years then? I mean, obviously you weren't allowed to travel much. Um mm. but you know, what about what how did it kind of impact you and, and what you're doing for the business in, in your role? You know, how how did you manage to sort of do all that? I mean, to be honest, it didn't um impact didn't really impact my role. In fact it we kind of ramped up the development side. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, so it was, I mean, working from home was, um, was interesting in a one bed flat when you have a husband that also works from home. (laughs) (laughs) I understand. Um, Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but yeah, I mean, it it was like, I was definitely one of the lucky ones and, and like I said, I managed to also, you know, travel a little bit for work and get away. So yeah, it was, I was definitely one of the lucky ones and you know people had it really hard I think yeah it was, it was really tough for some people and you know I felt for some people you know in, in London especially or wherever but you know the, the accommodation market's so expensive in London that you know a lot of people I knew were in shared houses without living rooms yeah. and it's like how the fuck do you you know isolate in, in the bed one room all day long like it's yeah. tough yeah it's tough um so I think yeah I mean I think god I I I have been like the hospitality industry's took a beating um (laughs) a few beatings um but it's positive to see kind of the bounce back I think it's been interesting to see how fast you know the numbers have recovered um of course you know people have you know people have had it really hard and lost you know some of their livelihood and their businesses and been really really tough but yeah I, I, it, it, hopefully well, i mean touch wood fingers crossed that it's we're on a road to recovery yeah no i was just uh, i was in an interview this morning and we were talking about that very thing and yeah I, I think for most people the bounce back's been awesome and most of the clients or people i've been dealing with of late yeah they're all they're all showing some really great even against 2019 you know they've, they've been mm. there's that real pent-up demand for for people to get out and about and and do that kind of thing you know which is absolutely brilliant so the last yeah. couple of things then i was i was going to just sort of talk to you about was you know your role in general and, and just what's the sort of proudest moment you've had you know in the role that you've had you know where did you i'm sure there's a few right but you know where you've been punching the air going 
Yes, mm-hmm. you know I've done it. Uh, I mean, uh, <laughs> you can probably tell by my uh, energy. I punch the air probably a few times a day. I'm <laughs> a very, very excitable person. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm about to, 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 to do a really great deal with an amazing uh, restaurant group to take them to Australia. And mm. I have been trying to work with this restaurant group for years and years and years. Um, so that's really, really exciting. Um, Seabird was obviously, you know, Huge. all of the, um, you know, the FT review it got was insane and the success it's had. And that's, you know, really a proud moment. My incubator kitchen, which is in the Hoxton Holborn, it's in the basement. Um, it's a natural wine bar, but I also use it as kind of an incubator kitchen. So all of the concepts that I create that go across the world into different hotels, I test out there for three months. Um, so right now it's Four Corners, that's going to go in Hoxton, Barcelona. Next up will be Palace Diner, which is kind of a Thai spin on an American diner. That's going to go into the Hoxton Shepherd's Bush. And then, you know, we'll keep rotating it and testing out all of these concepts. Um, so that was, you know, mm-hmm. we're getting that signed off and open. It's very exciting. And then going down there and seeing the vibe when it's really full is really, really great. Um, opening the Hoxton Amsterdam yeah, uh, first First hotel outside of London, first, uh, yeah, first European hotel that we opened all together. So, you know, it was um, it was uh, great to see it come to life and be successful. And even Hoxton Holborn, which was the second Hoxton, right? Like mm. day two, heaving. And it was like, we were like, where the hell have all these people come from? And, yeah. and the fan team right then did this amazing immersive theatre um, show for opening all across the whole hotel, like, front of house, back of house, like basement, this, that. It was insane. Um, uh, so, yeah, lots and lots of proud moments. I mean, I'm honestly really lucky to work at a company that I really love. So, yeah, every day is a, every day is a good good day. That's good. <laughs> well, that's great, you know. I, I, I say that to you, but to my work colleagues, <laughs> like, how are you? I'm like, I'm fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm all right, I suppose. Yeah. Well, that's, and with the Hoxton, was that Sinclair that opened that? Sinclair Beecham? Yeah, it was, yeah, founder of Pret. Yeah. Is, is he still yeah. involved in it? No, no, no Schwan Borg from him. Um, but yeah, he opened it in 2006. And, yeah. um, I, I worked on it um, when he owned it, actually. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, yeah, yeah. good. He's, he's a great guy. Really. Yeah, I've never met him. I mean, I, I worked at Pret, but I, I never met him, actually, no. I met Julian, but I never met Sinclair. Um, I so, love yeah. Pret. Oh, yeah, Pret's the I, best, yeah. Oh, it was, yeah, it, was it, I, it was as nice in the inside as you would have imagined. Yeah. You know, yeah. Nice nice <laughs> yeah. place to work for sure. Yeah. Um, and then you said you were down in Brighton lately in in my homestead. Um so what were you what were you seeing down in Brighton, you know, when you were looking around? Um, I mean I was there for um I was taking my sisters for a little weekend away, but um yeah, it was insane. I mean the food scene down there was really, really great. I went to um Plateau, Due South, uh Etch by Stephen, Stephen Edwards. Yeah. yeah. I mean, He's been on the God. podcast. He's been on the podcast, Stephen, yeah. Nice. The level of um the level of cooking down there has really, you know, improved tenfold since I was last there. So it was great to see. Drank lots of natural wines, obviously. Plato. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I, um, go on, sorry. And did you get to burnt orange? I didn't actually. No. Oh, I, I, help, I 
yeah, I helped open that one. But um, it just gets Bib Gourmand the other day. Oh, nice. And it's um, getting rave reviews still. It's doing really well. Nice. I've heard lots of things. I mean, there's a hell of a lot of places I'd like to go to. Yeah. Uh, the Little Fish Place, I really wanted to go to. Yep. Um, I need to come back down. Oh, for sure. Back. Let me know. Yeah. Let me know. But, um, oh, yeah, there's no shortage of good stuff. There's a great... Um, there's a couple of award things down here, but if you're ever stuck, there's the Brighton Best Restaurants Top 20, and it's always a solid list of who's really great. But just mm. round the corner here at Regency Square, just round the corner from here, there's one called Bincho Yakitori, and it's, I think it's my favourite restaurant, I think, in, in Brighton. Mm-hmm. And it's like a little kind of Tokyo dive bar type thing and then you've just got great food um you know so it's like one of those is it is a guy is he is a guy is a kaya yeah so it's one of those um basically so uh, nice. it's great it's really good um so now i need to swap notes on that Jew south what did you think of that i loved it yeah. i thought it was really good um yeah we had some delicious things there and i i love seafood yeah. i'm yeah um, so yeah, I thought it was really, really great. I'm just I can't even remember what. I mean, we was we were quite a few drinks deep. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and then did you go? Like a, did you go to Shelter Hall? Did you check out Shelter Hall? No. So it's I don't just think so. just two minutes away from Due South, and it's a big sort of food court. Um, um, no, we went to. Um, so we started in plateau mm-hmm. and then we went to um the place that's like kind of like a surf club along the way um we were walking to port slade you know the big swishy surf oh uh, rock water exactly yeah 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah and then we went there and then we went back to to get ready and maybe had a bit more wine yeah <laughs> juice out cocktails wine so <laughs> at 9 30 at night so I could probably tell you what I ate if I look back at my pictures, but I just thought, <laughs> I thought it was tasty. <laughs> oh, good, good. Well, just on that subject then, um, the last few questions were really just some fun ones, um, which were what we call mark out of 10. So a wee bit of fun at the end, and this might be hard for you actually, because the amount of eating and drinking that, that you do, um, you know, and all the things that you see. So apart from London then, what's the best city to eat in? your opinion oh that's a tough one um i mean i love copenhagen Mm -hmm. but not just the food scene but the city in general i've always loved it my honeymoon there um used to go there every year with my husband so yeah that's a very special place to me and i i I love a restaurant there called amas which is one of my favorite restaurants i love um barcelona i really like you know vermouth and um tapas like oh god is there anything better than you know boccarones and yeah yum 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 um yeah i think that was those my two favorite ones i think Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously, I love Japan. I can't, you know, that, that kind of culture shock and trying so many new things is insane. And yeah, I mean, God, there's so many. There's so many out there. Yeah, that's cool. Well, it's good to get your view then. If you've seen it all, almost it's like, well, it's good. It's a good. It's a good benchmark, you know. Um, and then, what about best restaurant? Oh, in the world, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I always reference actually um, Crown Shy in New York, which I went to in 2020, and that was insane. It was 
yeah I, I absolutely loved it it's kind of that old school like New York energy it's in the finance district but the food and the drinks were insane it's X11 Madison Park guy and oh. I absolutely loved it um yeah, I mean, that's one of my favourite restaurants. I'm just thinking Amass in Copenhagen, one of my other favourites. He's an ex-Norma guy and he's always been about, you know, zero waste and sustainability. And mm-hmm. it's it's like outside of, I mean, now the area of Copenhagen is developed, but I remember going there and when it first opened and everyone thought we were like, the taxi thought we were insane because there was nothing down nothing this else. area. And if you're the wrong site and, and um, yeah, beautiful, like, you know, you get views out into the water of Copenhagen. He normally has a bit of a fire going outside. So, yeah, that's a really special restaurant. Nice. And what did you see the, the one in New York? What's Crown? Crown Shy. Crown Shy. I did put that on my list. Yes. It oh. just opens a... Uh, I think it's 12-seat uh, chef's counter called Saga, which um, I booked to go into April. Um, yeah. Awesome. That's cool. And then what about your favourite dish or meal? What's your go-to? Oh, favourite dish or meal? I mean, I freaking love a Sunday roast. Yeah. Um, Blacklock Sunday roast is insane. Mm-hmm. Um Sunday roast is definitely my best meal. I love Thai food, though. My God, I could eat Thai food every single day. Um, yeah, and so, you know, love. I love Night Market in LA. It's, it's one of my favourite Thai restaurants. And Chris, the owner, is just an absolute G. Um, so, yeah, yeah, that's a great one. Nice. And then best alcoholic drink. What's your favourite thing to drink? And that, God, I'm so fucking cliche. Natural wine. Uh-huh. <laughs> You've changed. <laughs> I love orange wine. Yeah. I even I'm I'm now banging to um like a rosé, yeah. which is made with a mix of white grapes and red grapes, and like you know, like kind of a really rich dark rosé, not the Provence rosé, but like a really rich dark natural rosé. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I could just swill, swill natural wine all day long. And vermouth, I absolutely love. Nice, nice. Not that I'm a big drinker. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not judging. That's fine. Um, I'm just thinking, yeah, from the north. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I think we're all big drinkers from the north, aren't we? Um, okay, and then, you know, heading out to your favourite restaurant and having all these lovely things, who would you be taking with you? So celeb- celebrity, dead, alive, non-celebrity, what are, you, what are you thinking? I mean, I'd have to say my husband because I don't, don't see him enough because I'm always on the board. <laughs> <laughs> um, and otherwise, you know, my sisters, I, you know, keep it in the family. They're, they're you know, they're, they're good fun, always good fun to have on a night out. <laughs> nice, nice. All right, well, I'll love you and leave you then. And, um... Thanks so much. I guess last thing is, what is 2022 holding for you? Um, I mean, it's held a lot for me already, to be honest. So I'm looking forward to just uh, having a few weeks, uh, I say downtime, but just in London. But yeah, going to New York for a couple of weeks in April and opening Hoxton Barcelona in April, potentially a Mexico City hotel very soon after. Wow. 
Um, and yeah, I booked to go to Buenos Aires and uh, Sao Paulo, Brazil at the end of the year. Great. Um, racking up those uh, companion vouchers. Sure. Um, <laughs> and then you won't, want to, you, you won't actually want to go anywhere. You just I just want my own bed. <laughs> <laughs> well, exactly, exactly. Um, but just more of the same, really. Low teeth and on the insides, um, producing some print guides. Some really niche, really beautiful, not even like a guide, they're more of like a collector's um, item, like the kind of gift you would buy a foodie, I guess, for want yeah. of a better word. Yeah. Um, so we will print them in summertime and launching, actually, I'm like, fuck, I'm doing too much. Launching an ice cream brand as well that oh. I worked with um, the chef from the Fat Duck on. That's just a personal project. Nice. <laughs> I've now got this like ridiculous ice cream machine in my <laughs> kitchen I'm like fuck I don't know what I'm going to do with this so yeah hopefully we'll bring that to life it was kind of a lockdown project that never really got off the ground but now um, now hopefully we'll because I need more things like this of in course. my life yeah, yeah 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 not busy <laughs> need enough more things to do <laughs> <laughs> nice alright well well done for all you're doing it's, it's great to see you and you know as I say I, I think you were a masterclass on that panel you know and I think a lot of people took loads of great notes as well so it's, it's it's great to see just the success and the enthusiasm and all that stuff that you've got so thanks and thanks for being on today you know i know you're so busy so thank you for giving us the time so pleasure take care thanks and i'll see you me. very soon epic thanks ma So huge thanks to Jules for spending the time to talk to us on the podcast today. I know how busy she is and you can hear how busy she is. So it's a real miracle that she found the time to talk to us at all. So thank you so much. Thanks so much for listening. I really appreciate it. And the numbers are continuing to grow. So thanks again to everyone that's sharing the podcast with their friends, family and colleagues. Thank you again to our sponsors, Tip Jar and Store Kit for supporting us all the way through this series and do check them out if you can. If you need some next-gen tipping that's really going to please your staff, please get in touch with Tip Jar. I'll put some notes in the podcast notes for you. And also, if you need the latest thinking on brand and design and anything creative, then do get in touch with Saved by Robots and that's by talking to Paul at savedbyrobots.com. Thanks to Gaz and Gabby for all they do to put the podcast together. It's really appreciated. So this is me, Mark McSee, signing off. Bless you. Thanks so much for listening. And I hope that this episode has brought you the value, insight and information that you need to make your brand boom.